Roma, how are you enjoying this production of Our American Cousin here at Ford's Theater today, April 14th, 1865? It's absolutely hilarious. Harry Hawk is in rare form tonight. Wait, did you hear that? Sounds like someone screaming. No, I didn't hear... Oh, 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 look! Famed actor John Wilkes Booth just jumped down from the stage! Was he supposed to be in this? What a strange improvisation. Flash from Dallas. Two priests who were with President Kennedy say he is dead. Shots were fired, apparently at President Reagan as he was coming out of the Washington Hilton Hotel this afternoon. The president was not hit. September 1975, Sacramento. 26-year-old Lynette Squeaky Fromm pointed a Colt 45 caliber pistol at then-president Gerald Ford. The young woman pictured here earned her nickname as a member of Charles Manson's cult. Welcome to the hyperfixation where my friends come onto my show and tell me about things that excite them for 30 to 45 minutes. My name is Roma. I use the they and them pronouns. And today I'm joined today by Oak. Hey, I'm Oak Alexandrite. I'm one of uh, Claudia's system members, and I am also the editor of the Three Little Words podcast, uh, where Claudia and Nicole, and sometimes me, read and rank romance novels on steaminess, dreaminess, and meaniness. I've heard nothing but good things about Three Little Words, and I need to sit. I need to sit down and listen to it because I don't normally like read romance novels, but mm. you know, I'm feeling pretty romantic lately, so maybe I will. Wow. Oh. Oh. <laughs> um. But yes. Uh. So. This is the first time you specifically, Oak, have been on this podcast, but your system mate, Claudia, has been on here before for yeah. the previous episode on plurality, which, by the way, was popping off. Um, my statistics are great that episode, and it was wonderful to have uh, one of the members of the system on the show. And uh, honestly, like, which is, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, being educated on plurality and the culture and the people has been such a blessing in my life for lack of better words um it's been really nice to be able to like add to my vocabulary it's been really nice to uh be helpful in like educating other people when they give me the opportunity um but also to be able to recognize it in media and like just start incorporating that into my life and um also you know for like introspective reasons which i'm not going to get too deep on on this episode because that's not what we're talking about today but uh so thank you. <laughs> that's that's, that's really wonderful. sweet to hear. I'm glad that we could do that. Um, but today we're we're talking about something a little more spicy, if you will. Um, yes. Yes. U.S. presidential assassinations, <laughs> 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 which is a wild thing to be hype about. <laughs> but I'm also thinking about moving to France, so I guess maybe you should, I watch hey. One Piece. I want to move to France. It tracks. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So where did this hyperfixation of yours begin? I'm curious. So this began in high school for me. Um, I 
around like age 15, I was absolutely obsessed with the Stephen Sondheim musical Assassins, which is about uh, presidential assassination attempts, successful or otherwise. I, I think the way I found that musical was that my my dad found it first. I think that it was from, um, he was on this forum. My dad has been and it still is very online. Um, he was on this forum where they would sometimes do like, like musical exchanges. Like they would send each other mixtape CDs in the mail. <laughs> um, cause it was like, you know, well, by then it was like 2008 or 2009. But, um, one of those mixtapes, I believe, had uh, the song The Ballad of Booth, uh, which is the song about John Wilkes Booth. Um, mm. And I believe from there, my, my dad sought out the rest of the musical. Um, and then I listened to it a thousand times and did a lot of research. And uh, I think one of the books I wrote for NaNoWriMo one year or attempted to write was about uh presidential assassinations i could be wrong uh but that's what i remember um Hell and yeah. then recently i saw a tumblr post i i forgot about this for like a decade and god maybe 15 years at this point but um i found a, a tumblr post that mentioned uh one of the assassins leon cholgosh and mentioned the musical, and I was like, oh shit, I haven't thought about that musical for a while. And then I have watched uh, bootlegs of it four times in the past week and a half. And oh my God. <laughs> I've subjected my, my nesting partner to it, my girlfriend, one of our close friends. And uh, it's, I forgot how fascinating I found, I find this topic. So exciting. Just like everyone gather around for this slime tutorial. <laughs> exactly. About assassination. Okay, I'm glad that you used the term slime tutorial. I didn't <laughs> because I didn't use it for fear that you wouldn't understand. But oh, I, uh, I, my favorite's the slime tutorial with bugs. Um, as you can see, uh, the listeners can't see it. Uh, yes. It's an audio <laughs> format, but I love Beetlejuice. I maybe eventually I'll do an episode about Beetlejuice, but Ooh. now I've watched a great deal of the Broadway, uh, musical very legally <laughs> i gotta watch that one legally of it's course. so good legally yes of course they just finished their their full tour this year and mm. i wanted to go to new york so bad to see it but that was just not in my cards or last year but it was just not in my cards um but ooh, this the production's beautiful we'll, we'll talk about it more another yeah. time but um if i understood you correctly you're saying that this this whole thing's a musical yeah, there is there is a musical. It's uh the lyrics and music are by Stephen Sondheim and the book uh was fucking written by oh my god, how do I not have this prepared? Uh John Weidman. I know uh, that he, name. Why do I know the, that? He was a television writer for Sesame Street, apparently. Um Look at him go. Yeah. <laughs> He also he wrote some uh he wrote some other plays. He wrote a big 1996 adaptation of the Tom Hanks film, which is weird. Hmm. 
Uh, that's a zero I was born, so I'm like, <laughs> I'm baby. Um, but so is would you? I don't know because my my extent of presidential musicals is just Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my brain is just like, oh, so it's just one giant rap cipher. But <laughs> <laughs> I I'm assuming it's not. It's not a no. rap cipher. But um, was it like on like was it like on a big Broadway stage or was it just like small time musicals throughout the country? It was on a big Broadway stage. It started off Broadway in, I want to say 1990. Um, yeah. Uh, let me see. Yeah. 1990. And then in 2004, um, it, uh, it, it was revived on Broadway. Um, and Neil Patrick Harris actually plays like a lead a lead role in it. He plays the oh, balladeer yeah. who um who sings the songs of all the uh the successful assassins. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love me some Neil Patrick Harris. He's great. I, I really enjoy his work. Absolutely. So we got to how this hyperfixation began and how it's come to be for you now. Um, let's see. Do I have any more questions before we we really dead dig dig deep into this hyperfixation? So you did say aside from enjoying this musical, you did some research outside mm-hmm. of the musical. So was that just like over your whole lifetime or was that still like 10, 15 years ago? Yeah, mostly in high school and then okay. uh again recently. Yeah. Okay. Queens. Um, I think that's all the questions I have because I'm really excited to hear about this because there's some that are like very famous that I remember, like mm. obviously uh, Abraham Lincoln, um, JFK. But mm. there's definitely going to be some that I'm like I have never heard of this in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let me get my timer. And let me tell you, I'm actually going to kind of skim over both. Uh, Lincoln and JFK because I think a lot of people know about that and also I don't find them as interesting probably because they're like so so well known yeah uh have you seen um what is it called dark tourism by chance on Netflix uh I'm gonna just breeze through it really quickly it's about this guy who I'm fairly certain is some sort of neurospicy and I love him to death (laughs) Uh, but he's just this guy who's like, I don't understand why people do like they go on vacations, like trips to go visit like taboo or scary places or dangerous places. Like, why do they do that? So he goes around the entire world to these dangerous taboo places. Uh, for example, um, he went to this one place that is just in Japan that's just full of radiation. Like he went on mm-hmm. a tour through where the tsunami came in and Mm -hmm. like uh, everything's all damaged and stuff. And like, people can't quite move back there yet. Um, and just like hung out on a tour where like their Geiger counters are like popping off. Uh, So one of the episodes was about, um, JFK and, uh, he basically went around the whole city and did all these different kinds of tours and like how, everybody had their own rendition, if you will, of like how the whole thing went down and their own theories. Um, 
So that's the only thing that comes to mind off the top of my head of like, oh, yeah, like I know a l- more so than others mm-hmm. on that specific front because of media. But also there's the part of me that's still just unsure about what happened because there's so many different takes on it. Yeah, totally. But I got my timer. I got my bid in. Are you ready? I am ready. Eric, you're off. The timer has begun. So, Roma, I'm going to start by asking you a question. Um, I'm going to ask you a couple of pop quiz questions throughout here. Oh, um, oh boy. <laughs> how many uh, presidents have been successfully assassinated? Vibe check, I'm going to say seven. Incorrect. Uh, ah. It is only four, actually. Oh. Though five presidents have... Sorry, six presidents have died in office, but four were assassinated. Uh, okay. That's Lincoln, uh, killed by Booth, Garfield, killed by Gateau, McKinley, killed by Cholgosh, and Kennedy, killed by Oswald. Uh, the other two were, I believe, Harrison, who died uh, from pneumonia like 30 days after he took office. I do remember that. And guy. FDR, who, uh, I forget what FDR died of, but he died in office during his, for- his fourth term. Okay. You know, it's a lot less than I thought. Mm-hmm. Why is there such a high survivability rate? <laughs> uh, I think partly because guns were kind of bad for a while. Oh, true. Um, oh. We're gonna, two of the four people uh, we're going to talk about died not exactly because of the bullet directly, but because of infection. Hmm. I I mean, back when the medicine's not good, like an injury is basically death sentence anyway. It's true. Ooh, okay. I've learned something new. <laughs> so, let's let's start by briefly talking about uh, the assassination of Lincoln by John Wilkes Booth. Uh, so Lincoln was shot at Ford's Theater, as we mentioned in the beginning, in Maryland, mm-hmm. uh, by John Wilkes Booth uh, on. April 14th, 1865. Uh, Booth's motivation is kind of debated, um, but the generally yeah. accepted motivation is that he wanted to avenge the South uh, for how ravaged it was by the Civil War. And Booth has a couple of interesting elements or this assassination has some kind of some interesting elements in a few like key factors uh the first is how famous booth was booth was like a nationally recognized actor from a family of famous actors i do remember this from junk history yeah and honestly this would be like if if like chris hemsworth killed the president please <laughs> i mean well like not like you know i think the concept of it is cool like what not necessarily saying one way or another about whoever's in office at the moment but that yeah. would be cool <laughs> actually he he got into the president's box at the theater by by telling like the doorman who he was he like sent his his calling card which is he you like write on a card who you are and you send it to the usher and he he like right uh brings it to whoever it is and you get mm-hmm. your answer whether you can come in or not. Um That's so cool. yeah, he wrote out and then he was allowed in and he uh 
he jammed the door behind him so that people couldn't get through. Um, and then Clever. he he uh, hung out in the president's box unseen. And he actually knew the play, uh, Our American Cousin, very well. And he specifically timed the shot so that it would he would shoot Lincoln uh, during a part that the entire audience would laugh at. Like it was considered the most hilarious line in the play. Oh, my god. So it would like cover up the sound. What a what a guy. Oh, mm-hmm. my goodness. He thought and about that. So um, he he shot Lincoln in the back of the head um, and. He didn't Lincoln didn't actually die right away. I believe he died the following morning from from the bullet. Not not from any sort of infection. He died because he was shot. Uh yeah. But uh Booth immediately afterwards tried to jump over the railing and onto the stage about a 10 or 15 foot fall. Ooh. Um which he probably could have easily made. Uh, except his, he was wearing like spurs on his on his boots, and one of the spurs got caught in a flag that was up there, and so he kind of tripped and landed weirdly on his foot, which which injured him, and he he was on stage at that point, and people actually thought that this was part of the show, uh, and he, what he yelled out is kind of debated, but the most common eyewitness report is that he yelled out six semper tyrannis uh thus thus to tyrants um which i believe was like the motto of virginia i could be wrong but let me uh let me just double check yeah yeah it was the virginia state motto thus always to tyrants um virginia did this yeah some people, some people, uh, say that he yelled out, "The South is avenged," or "Revenge for the South," or "The South shall be freed." But most commonly, people recall hearing six six separate trims. Okay. Uh, so he he escaped Maryland that night and uh made his way through Northern Virginia. Um, ten days later, he was actually tracked down to a farm in Virginia. Uh, he was hiding out in a barn. Um, they set fire. The Union soldiers set fire to the barn, and uh, one of the soldiers actually found a, a clear shot on Booth and shot him in the back of the neck, uh, severing his spinal cord. And um, they they dragged him out of the barn after that, and he bled out a couple of hours later. Bro. Yeah. He, uh, oh. the soldier who shot him was like, uh, reprimanded for that because it was going against orders, but he was yeah. largely considered a hero by the American public. A lot of people did like Lincoln. A lot of people didn't, but a lot of people did like Lincoln. Yeah, he, yeah, he actually got kind of mixed reviews back in the day. Yeah. The other really interesting thing that I didn't know until recently was that Booth had several co-conspirators in this plan that were sent to kill other members of the government. He had one person going to kill the Secretary of State and another person going to kill uh, Vice President Andrew Johnson. And both of these people failed. 
one of them failed to stab uh, the the Secretary of State, who was sick in bed at the time. Um, wow. Yeah, he had like a splint on his neck or his collarbone or something, and that actually prevented the knife from hitting his jugular. Uh, which, you know, stroke of luck, really. But the other guy, um, Atzerodt, he was sent to kill Andrew Johnson, and he never even tried. <laughs> he, uh, he went to a bar downstairs at the hotel that Johnson was staying at at the time. He went there to ask about Johnson and, like, his, his, like, schedule and his demeanor, essentially. And he, he ended up getting drunk, and then he just left. He he tossed his knife out in the street somewhere and just kind of got drunk and wandered around. Bro, that... he was he was still tried and hanged for uh, his role in the conspiracy. Sadly, yeah. But honestly, Man. some king shit. Ooh, I mean, I get it though. That's like not an easy task to try to accomplish. Yeah. Even like, you know, it's one thing if it's Fortnite, but this is this is reality. <laughs> That's scary stuff. It's true. <clears throat> it's not, you know, murder isn't for the, the faint of heart. Mm -mm. I couldn't do it in all likelihood. Nope. nope. Mm -mm. So yeah, that's basically all I have to say about Lincoln. I, I think that there's some interesting stuff about it, but I find the lesser known assassins here more interesting in my mind, probably because they're not as talked about. Yeah, there's some names that you mentioned. I'm like, I have never heard that name in my life. Yep. Or if I did, it, it was a very long time ago. So speaking of, we are going to talk about the assassin of James Garfield now. This was uh, 16 years later. Mm -hmm. um, uh, James A. Garfield was assassinated by Charles J. Gateau. Uh, Charles Gateau was a lawyer, author, preacher, and aspiring politician. He was bad yes. at all of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> Roasted. I'm I'm gonna roast a couple of people here, <laughs> but especially Gateau. Gateau is such a, a such a miserable failure of a person, and it's kind of sad in a lot of ways. But also, he did murder a man. He did one thing. <laughs> he did one thing correctly. Well, sort of. Let's let's get to it. Uh, so his motivations. Um, so he was convinced that his own actions were crucial in helping Garfield win his election for president. And uh, he repeatedly asked the administration for an ambassadorship to Vienna. Uh, and then later he was like, OK, I'll settle for Paris. And um, this was repeatedly denied. Uh, also, the crucial actions, um, what do you think the crucial actions were? that he felt was essential in helping Garfield get elected. I would imagine that the most he did was, like, vote for Garfield. Yeah, he and, passed like, out pamphlets. Yeah, that... Yep. I mean, if that's how I'm going to get an ambassadorship to France, like, I would do that <laughs> shit, but... It's true. So he, he repeatedly visited the White House to ask for this position, and at one point he encountered Secretary of State James Blaine, who told Gateau very sharply to never speak to him again about an ambassadorship. Um, Talk to me about anything else. <laughs> yep. And Gateau was pissed. 
And uh, around this time, his likely mania began to take the form of believing that his actions were ordained by God. And that God wanted him to kill Garfield to elevate Vice President Chester A. Arthur to president, unite the stalwart party and the Republican Party as a whole, I believe, and rid the government of uh, James Blaine's influence. That's nutty. It it is. He was mentally ill. Uh, Gateau, he borrowed the equivalent of like $400 from his brother-in-law. Back then it was $15. Which inflation. Inflation. (laughs) And uh, that he borrowed the money because he was absolutely broke and basically homeless at that time. Uh, He had been wandering around D.C. for like two months trying to get this ambassadorship. And, like, I believe being thrown out of hotels and in the winter in just, like, a shitty coat. It, it was Damn. a rough time. So he borrowed 400 bucks from his brother-in-law. And uh, he went to go purchase a revolver. And he had to decide between a revolver, two of the same model, uh, one with a wooden grip and one with an ivory grip. And he decided on the ivory grip because he felt it would look better in a museum. Well, he's thinking about the future, so... He, <laughs> he was He was very forward-thinking. Uh, and actually, that, that ivory grip cost an extra dollar, the equivalent of $30 today. Mm-hmm. And uh, he couldn't afford that, but the store owner very kindly knocked down the price for him. <laughs> Look at him go. <laughs> Getting the deals. <laughs> he's he's uh he's on that grind life lifestyle. The Sigma grind, grind lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> July second, eighteen eighty one. Uh which I will say he killed Garfield on a Monday. I was gonna ask! Oh my god He did kill Garfield on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'm disappointed, but yeah, look at him go. <laughs> Oh, man. So, after like a month and a half of stalking Garfield and preparing for the deed, uh, he uh, waited at the train station in D.C. He had his shoes shined, and he was waiting for Garfield. He was set to arrive and depart uh, on his vacation. Um, When Garfield entered the station, Gateau uh, walked up behind him and shot him twice in the back at point-blank range. Um, yeah. And as he was surrendering to police, he yelled out, I'm stalwart of stalwarts. Arthur is president now. Also, strangely enough, Garfield that day was actually accompanied by uh, the secretary of war for his administration, who was Robert Lincoln, son of Abraham Lincoln. No way. Yes. He he later said, quote, how many hours of sorrow have I passed in this town? That's crazy. Yeah. 16, wow. 16 years later, after your father is assassinated, the president that you work for is also assassinated. I hope that guy got to keep his job, though. Uh, I'm not sure, actually. Okay, because some people might get real superstitious about that. Like, I don't know, the Lincolns <laughs> can't work in office anymore. Oh, man. That's, that's a good point. So, 
Garfield initially recovered really well. Um, mm. But doctors insisted on finding and removing the bullet still lodged in him. Uh, and they were probing around him in him with unsanitized instruments and unsanitized fingers. Look at him go. <laughs> yeah, Garfield died of complications due to sepsis two months later on September 19th. Oh, man. Just from uh, the assassin's perspective, like, you think it's all good then, you did it, and then it takes two more months for everything to finalize. Yeah. Oh, um, man. <laughs> Gato was, uh, after, after Garfield died, he was officially uh, arraigned for murder. and. Uh, he was tried for murder in November. Um, Gateau insisted that he was not guilty. Um, one, because he, his actions were the will of God, and he merely carried them out. And two, he also argued at one point that he had not killed the president, and he stated, the doctors killed Garfield, I just shot him. <gasps> Which, honestly, not incorrect. He's technically correct, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, he also refused his lawyers putting in an insanity plea for him. Uh, he said while he was temporarily insane while pulling the trigger, as, of course, the Lord was acting through him, uh, he wasn't medically insane before or after the act, which I fucking beg to differ. <laughs> and so did his family. Uh, you know, maybe you should have taken the case, bud. <laughs> yeah. Uh, funny enough, he ran through a couple of different lawyers, and the final lawyer that he had was actually his brother-in-law. I believe a different <laughs> brother-in-law than the one who lent who lent him the money. Um, but his brother-in-law was like, "I guess this is my duty, or whatever." Yeah, uh, but was not pleased about it because Gato was uh, horrible to work with in this regard. I can imagine. Yep, he would repeatedly <laughs> yell out at witnesses, the jury, the judge. Uh, though he loved the media, he was very thrilled about the the crowd and the media circus around this. So he was found guilty and sentenced to death by hanging. Uh, he was pissed about this decision and uh when that verdict was yelled uh, was read out he yelled out in court that the judge and jury were quote low consummate jackasses and he started hurling obscenities and he had to be dragged away back to his cell what a dr uh, the drama yeah this guy say what you will about Joe, he was a man of drama he knew how to work it yeah. That's what I'm saying. And would you believe, basically up until the end, he was convinced that he would be pardoned. Give this man a Twitter account, please. <laughs> We're going to talk about assassins with Twitter accounts later. <gasps> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so he was like, surely Chester A. Arthur is going to pardon me because I'm responsible for making him president and raising his salary. He he was also planning to run for president himself once he was released. Buddy! <laughs> yeah, but Arthur refused to pardon him, and uh, Gato's appeal was rejected, and Arthur also refused to pressure the court to, heal, to hear his appeal. 
Uh, so Guiteau was hanged on June 30th, 1882, almost a year after the assassination. He had his shoes shined and reportedly danced his way up to the gallows. What a way to end the fiscal quarter. Yeah. For <laughs> God. <laughs> and as a last request, he uh, led the crowd in prayer, reading from uh, Matthew chapter 10, which includes the quote, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. And he also read a poem that he had written the night before, which he had originally requested be set to music with an orchestra in attendance. Uh, this request was, of course, denied. Did they give him one in the musical? <laughs> they, they do. Actually, yes. <laughs> Sondheim uses uh, some of this poem in the Ballad of Godot. I love that. And I'm going to read to you uh, his, his cringe poem for his fail execution his now. His cringe poem! <laughs> <laughs> this is I'm Going to the Lordy by Charles Julius Godot. Uh, this is also called Simplicity. I wasn't able to figure out which was the actual title. I'm going to the Lordy. I am so glad. I'm going to the Lordy. I am so glad. I'm going to the Lordy. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. I'm going to the Lordy. I love the Lordy with all my soul. Glory, glory, hallelujah. And that is the reason I am going to the Lord. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. I'm going to the Lord. I saved my party and my land. Glory, hallelujah. But they have murdered me for it. And that is the reason I'm going to the Lordy. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. I'm going to the Lordy. I wonder what I will do when I get to the Lordy. I guess I, that I will weep no more. When I get to the Lordy. Glory, hallelujah. I wonder what I will see when I get to the Lordy. I expect to see the most splendid things beyond all earthly conception when I am with the Lordy. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. I am with the Lord. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, at one point, he was overcome by emotion at, believed for not out of fear of his imminent death, but out of overcome with, like, divine emotion at the beauty of his own writing and the scenarios he had written out. Um, he sobbed his way throughout most of the last two stanzas before composing himself for the final two lines. Glory, hallelujah, glory, hallelujah, I am with the Lord. And uh, he, he was really the MC at his own hanging, and um, he had an agreed-upon signal with the executioner that when he dropped the paper he was reading from, he was ready to die. He broke his neck and died instantly. Which is the best outcome for a hanging. Yeah, um... That's some like it's cringe, but it's also mm -hmm. like that's a lot of like what's I don't even know what the word I'm looking for is. Is like like look at the balls on this guy. Like look at him go. Yeah, he was he was pretty pretty cheerful to the end. Yeah, good for uh, him, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you know some some people know how to look on the bright side yeah was that day also a monday i need to know <laughs> oh i don't know hang on june 30 cool. friday ah thank god it's friday did you have 
<laughs> Thank the Lord, it's Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. It's Friday. So, next up, we're going to be talking about the assassination of William McKinley by Leon Cholgosh. What a name. It It is a very good name, a very Polish name. Oh, yes. Uh, it is spelled C-Z-O-L-G-O-S-Z. Okay. And you said first name's Leon? Yep, Leon. I've been watching a lot of Resident Evil content, so Ooh. I just keep picturing Leon, Leon Kennedy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Leon Cholgosz was a Michigan-born Polish-American anarchist. Uh, he was a great admirer of Emma Goldman, who was a famed anarchist speaker and author and absolutely all-around pogged-up lady. Uh, and he was he tried to become friends with her and her circle of friends. Um, he was actually introduced to this circle of friends by Goldman, and he hung out with them a little bit. Um, but he was so socially awkward and no, new to baby. anarchism. And he asked a bunch of questions that were deemed suspicious and got him labeled as a potential spy. No! Yeah. He just wanted a friend! <laughs> it's very funny because the week of the assassination, an anarchist newspaper put out a warning to other anarchists describing him and advising not to trust him. Actually, let, me, let me give that up because I find it very funny. Baby. So this was published on September 1st. Um, of 1901. Attention! The attention of the comrades is called to another spy. He is well-dressed, of medium height, wet, rather narrow shoulders, blonde and about 25 years of age. Up to, present, up to the present, he has made his appearances in Chicago and Cleveland. In the former place, he remained but a short time. While in Cleveland, he disappeared when the comrades had confirmed themselves of his identity excuse me, and were on the point of exposing him. His demeanor is of, the, uh, is of the usual sort, pretending to be greatly interested in the cause, asking for names or, excuse me, or soliciting aid for acts of contemplated violence. If this same individual makes his appearance elsewhere, the comrades are warned in advance and can act accordingly. They literally are like, this guy's sus. And he's like, no, I promise I'm not. Look what I did. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. Um, Leon became really. Let me not let me call him Cholgosh. I'm not on first base first name basis with with Mr. Cholgosh. He became fascinated with the anarchist idea of the propaganda of the deed, uh, which is an idea that there is there is no greater method of putting one's philosophies out there than direct action, most notably killing politicians. Um there was an Italian king, I believe Umberto I, uh, who in 1901 was assassinated uh, by an anarchist, and that was that was kind of big news. And it's believed that that was one of the things that inspired Cholgosh. Mm -hmm. So, September 6th, 1901, Cholgosh goes to Buffalo to the Pan American Exposition. Ex uh, which was kind of like a world's fair almost. Mm -hmm. um, there were a lot of like inventions on display and and little little activities. I believe Thomas Edison was there, and he, uh, I believe he 
film he made a film that was like the pan american exposition at night um yeah it which is you know a, an interesting little 15 second film Ooh, i super into like i did a lot of research in college about the chicago world's fair so anything mm -hmm. of that nature my whole brain's just like oh yes i need more <laughs> <laughs> yeah um he was um the the pan american exposition is mostly known for uh the thing that bill mckinley was killed at who's bill mckinley <clears throat> the president oh that's right sorry <laughs> so uh william mckinley was doing a uh meet and greet at uh the temple of music there um mm -hmm. and uh cholgosh waited in line with a handkerchief wrapped around his revolver. Um, typically, there is, there was a, um, a policy that if you're going to meet the president, you have to do it with, like, with hands visible and open. Um, but there was, that wasn't really being enforced that day because it was very hot and there were a lot of people with handkerchiefs, like, for, for sweat and stuff. Um, yeah. So, uh, people around him kind of assumed that the handkerchief was either um, either for sweat or that his hand was was injured in some way. Um, in fact, uh, William McKinley seemed to think that as well, uh, because he he saw that Cholgosh, he had his his right hand wrapped and he reached for his left one to shake his hand and Cholgosh slapped it away and shot him in the chest twice. Uh, before the crowd jumped on him. Wow. Yeah. Bro. And actually, um, Kinley, while Tolgosh was being beat up, he yelled, go easy on him, boys. And had the crowd, like, stop beating the shit out of Tolgosh. Wait, who yelled that? Bill McKinley, the guy who was just shot. <laughs> what? Yeah. Also, he's a fine young man. Leave him alone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm actually going to send you an image now. Uh, is titled "Cholgosh is Cunning." It is the um, the amazingly brilliant way that he hid his gun. Oh my good! Oh. Yeah, it's just a handkerchief right over the gun. Um, that's it? That's it. I find it very funny that this picture is labeled Cholgosh is Cunning. It's just like, <laughs> just like put, put a cloth over it. That's it. You know, um, I, as, as, as someone who's autistic, I've done a lot of paying attention to how people function, and mm. I have noticed in my lifetime that a lot of people just don't pay that much attention to anything, it's like, true. specifically. So I could see how it worked, but, like, when you're looking at it objectively, it's just like, how? But it's just like, you know, like, people don't really look at stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because uh, this the uh, security at the event thought that the person ahead of Cholgosh seemed really suspicious. That tracks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, from the sounds of it, like, this guy just seemed like a dork. 
He, you know? he was. He also was repeatedly described as handsome in, in articles about him. Uh, I have some quotes here. Standing before Cholgosh, the Iowa attorney was dumbfounded to see one of the handsomest men of blonde type he had ever witnessed. The man's brow was as perfect as a Grecian god, his hair was light, and his facial expression lit by his great blue eyes as handsome and clear as an Irish lassie's orbs. Uh, the contour of his face was almost perfect, and in the eyes or expression there was not one thing to suggest the coarse, the low, the treacherous incentive that prompted the anarchist to kill the beloved McKinley. Uh, another another quote. Despite the three, week, three weeks' growth of beard on his face, the man presents an attractive appearance, and his face is as innocent appearing as a babe just awakened from a peaceful slumber. In personal appearance, assassin Cholgosh is handsome. Cholgosh, all reports to the contrary notwithstanding, is a handsome youth with a face of exceptional purity and beauty. He says he is 29 years of age. He looks 21. And the finely chiseled upper lip with its cupid bow lends a certain attractiveness to the face. So people have been simping over assassins for a long time. A long time. People, <laughs> people were like, man, that Cholgosh guy is fucked up. Handsome, though, but fucked up. <laughs> let me, uh, let me... It was wild, man. <laughs> let me send you a Beautiful. picture of him. So I'm, I'm bisexual, and, like, I get it. He's, he's not, like, really my type, but I definitely, I definitely am like, yeah, he's, he's pretty handsome. I can see him being, like, old-timey handsome. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if the picture is doing him complete justice, because of, like, you know, how lenses work. Yeah. But um, I can see it. Yeah, apparently all the reporters were like, damn, this guy's pretty hot. He does. He does still exude a little bit of dork energy, though. So he I does. can see where like he just would fly under the radar. Like you'd have no idea. Yep. Look at him go. <laughs> <laughs> so McKinley died of infection from the bullet that hit him in the abdomen. Uh, there were two bullets, one um ricocheted off his uh, vest button and uh, wound up like inside his coat or something and the other one uh, hit him in the abdomen and uh, he died of infection uh, again because doctors were so determined to like get the bullet out this time there was more of a reason because there was like actual damage to his internal organs um, I believe his like intestines or his stomach or something mm-hmm but uh, McKinley died like uh, eight days, eight days after the shooting, he died. <sighs> uh, Cholgosh's trial was pretty brief, to be honest. I believe it was like two days. Um, he actually attempted to enter a plea of guilty initially, but the judge overruled him and entered not guilty on his behalf. Which I didn't know was a thing that judges could do. Oh, wait. So like he it wasn't at the end of the trial where he was like, no, you. You're too pretty. You didn't do this. It was when he like when the thing started, he's yeah. like, I'm guilty. And he's like, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, I think the judge was more like, well, you got to Come on, put up a fight about it. We got to discuss this. <laughs> yeah. He was. Let me look at uh, you. <laughs> he was also uh, uncooperative with lawyers, um, which uh, in the closing statements to the jury, his lawyer talked about how he was very uncooperative with his own lawyers. Uh, his lawyers summoned no witnesses on his behalf because 
he would not let them. He would not give any witnesses for him. Uh, and he was found guilty and sentenced to death by electric chair. Upgrade. Which I didn't know was already going on in 1901. Yeah. I mean, they when did electricity like become a thing? I can't remember. I guess the 1800s, late 1800s. And did we get the electric chair? Early 1880s, dentist Alfred P. Southwick develops the idea of using electricity to carry out the death penalty as early as 1881. Yeah, it was thought to be a more humane execution. Uh, later, later executions would prove it is not. Mm, no. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um... Ugh. Yeah. So... The night before his execution, uh, two priests pre- pleaded with him for 45 minutes to repent, which he refused. Uh, his brother also visited and expressed confusion and disappointment, saying this wasn't like him. Um, he also asked if he wanted the priests to come back, which upset Cholgosh. Uh, he, told his, he also told his brother not to pray for him once he was dead. He didn't want that. He didn't want any of their religion. He knew what um, he wanted. Yeah. And his father also sent him a letter wishing him luck and saying, like, I can't help you from here. You have to pay the pay the pay the price for your actions. Straightforward. Yeah. And he was unrepentant to the end. Uh, his final words were, quote, I killed the president because he was the enemy of the good people, the good working people. I'm not sorry for my crime. I'm sorry I could not see my father. Oh. Yeah. So I want to see my dad. That's it. Yeah. Cholgosh was killed. Uh, he was actually buried in the prison. Uh, his, his brother initially requested to take the body and give him proper burial at home. Uh, but the prison uh the the prison warden talked him out of this because he said no one is gonna let you out of here with that body the crowd is going to absolutely mob you once you leave which is most likely true but still sucks to be honest yeah um and actually mckinley before his death was surprisingly forgiving of joel gosh uh first telling the crowd of course to stop beating him up and secondly, on the operating table, he said, quote, he didn't know, poor fellow, what he was doing. He couldn't have known. Basically saying he's, he's probably crazy beyond being able to, like, be accountable for his actions. It's, I'm having a moment because there's, there's that moment of, like, it sounds very crisp and clear that our boy knew exactly what he wanted to do. He was he, he. It was all very straightforward, and he made everything happen for it. But everyone's just like, "No, this beautiful little baby boy." Yeah. No, he wouldn't. <laughs> He's like, "Yes, I, I would." <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Even his victim was like, "Oh, he's a precious little thing. It's fine." It's <laughs> <laughs> wild. <laughs> yeah. Emma Goldman, uh, the the writer and speaker that Cholgosh admired and wanted to be friends with. Uh, mm-hmm. She was arrested and questioned for like two weeks following the assassination in suspicion for a suspicion of being involved. Uh, there was no evidence that she was. 
Um, they literally were like, he's sus. <laughs> they had yeah, a whole loose she, paper thing about she's it. She's absolutely sus, but no proof. However, she praised his actions. She, uh, later on, between the assassination and Cholgash's execution, which, by the way, took like less than two months, I believe it was like seven weeks, um, which is less time than Garfield took to die from his assassination. They express lane that shit. Yeah, they really did. Um, so Emma Goldman praised his actions and she wrote an opinion piece called The Tragedy at Buffalo, in which she calls McKinley, quote, president of the money kings and trust magnates. And wrote of Cholgosh, um, I'm going to, to read you a fairly long quote from this essay, which I do, I do recommend reading. It's an interesting read. In vain have the mouthpieces of wealth denounced Leon Cholgosh as a foreigner. In vain they are making the world believe that he is the product of European conditions and influenced by European ideas. This time the assassin happens to be the child of Colombia, who lulled him to sleep with my country tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, etc., and who held out the hope that to him that he too could become president of the country. Who can tell how many times this American child has gloried in the celebration of the 4th of July, or on Decoration Day, when he faithfully honored the nation's dead? Who knows but what he too was willing to fight for his country and die for her liberty, until it dawned upon him that those he belonged to have no country, because they have been robbed of all that they have produced, until he saw that all the liberty and independence of his youthful dreams are but a farce. Perhaps he also learned that it is nonsense to talk of equality between those who have all and those who have nothing. Hence he rebelled. But his act was mad and cowardly, says the ruling class. It was foolish and impractical, echo all petty reformers, socialists, and even some anarchists. What absurdity, as if an act of this kind can be measured by its usefulness, expediency, or practicality. Oh, sorry, practicability. We might as well ask ourselves of the usefulness of a cyclone, tornado, a violent thunderstorm, or the ceaseless fall of Niagara water. All these forces are the natural results of natural causes, just as force is natural and a part of man and beast. That violence is not the result of conditions only, but also largely depends on a man's inner nature. The is best proven by the fact that while thousands loathe tyranny, but one will strike down a tyrant. What is it that drives him to commit the act while others pass quietly by? It is because the one is of such a sensitive nature that he will feel a wrong more keenly and with greater intensity than others. Woo! Yeah. Really powerful stuff. Yeah. And her friends and even her partner basically abandoned her because she refused to condemn his actions. Why? <laughs> they said that he hurt the movement. And really, he did. There were several anti-anarchist laws that were put into effect uh, shortly after this. Ah, uh, okay. But That's at right. the same time, listen, I'm not here to condone murder. Not here to condone assassination. <laughs> but Leon Cholgosh is pretty pog, not gonna lie. Poggers. Yep. Agreed. Yep. So that that is uh, the assassination assassination of McKinley. Mm -hmm. uh, 
you okay with with me going a little long here because i have a bit more to do um i know because i i'm gonna tell you what i told Flockwasi <laughs> the mm-hmm. other day um we the, the episode's gonna come out before this one but that episode just like two and a half three hours long okay this will not um, be that long <laughs> yeah well it, uh, i did a uh a, a google forms like a thing at the end of mm-hmm. season one i was like does me go or does the episodes going over 30 to 45 minutes bother you guys and they're like nah we don't <laughs> care it's cool do whatever you want to do we're here for it and i was like for real y'all are cool with it and yeah so it's just like we do whatever we want here (laughs) (laughs) okay so uh the final successful assassination was of course john f kennedy by lee harvey oswald uh so lee harvey oswald shot and killed president kennedy on november 22nd 1963 in dallas texas uh he shot him from the window of the texas book depository where he worked on the sixth floor he brought in a rifle that day, and he said that uh, the the box or the bag that he was carrying the rifle in was curtain rods that his wife had asked him to repair. Uh, and his boss was like, uh, yeah, sure. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Oswald, um, he was a Marine, uh, and then he defected to the Soviet Union at one point, and then a couple of years later, he defected back to the U.S. He had a very tumultuous history. Just whatever side's winning more, I guess? I guess, yeah. Okay. I think he was like, actually, you know what, the Soviet Union kind of sucks. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm going back, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> So, um, I honestly don't have a lot to say about, about JFK. What's, what's interesting is that Oswald was originally arrested for killing a police officer who made him nervous in his escape. Um, basically he had gone back to a hotel, I believe, that he was staying in and, um, to like change clothes. And he was, like, walking down the street afterwards, and a cop car, like, pulled up alongside him and started asking, the cop started asking him some questions. And uh, he got out of the car, and Oswald shot him, like, four times and ran away. The cop died. And, uh, funny enough, he repeatedly claimed that he killed neither the president nor the police officer. Despite there being witnesses to both events, there is one witness at the at the assassination who distinctly remembers seeing uh, Oswald poke his head out of the window before shooting and then seeing him with a rifle afterwards or during the shooting. And there were several witnesses to him killing a police officer. So we've had three assassins who were all like, yeah, I did it. Mm hmm. And this guy's like, oh, no way. Not even the second one. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. It's, Couldn't be. <laughs> it's also funny because he, um, when he was arrested, he, he uh, was finally caught when he snuck into a movie theater without paying. A, a grocer, I believe, next door saw him walk into the theater without paying and told the usher uh, on duty outside who called the police. And um, 
the cop came into the movie theater with the usher, and the usher was like, that's the guy. And uh, Oswald tried to shoot the cop who came to arrest him, and I believe the usher too, uh, but the hammer of his pistol got like caught between his thumb and Ooh, forefinger somehow skin. yeah and and it didn't go off and uh the the cops are you know like brought him down uh physically and he started he started crying police brutality which like listen a cab and all but also you did try to shoot him yeah you know, it's one thing if, you know, they don't have a weapon and actively trying to resist arrest, but that man actively tried to resist arrest yeah. and killed the president and another police officer. Yep. Or another person, I guess. <laughs> um, mm. Yeah. So uh, before he could stand trial, he was actually shot by uh, Jack Ruby, a local nightclub owner. Uh, Jack Ruby. Oh? Yeah. Jack Ruby later died in prison of lung cancer. He, Jack Ruby was, um, he was publicly and criminally condemned, but was also seen as a hero by a lot of people. He apparently received a lot of fan mail. You know? I guess, uh, you know, a lot of people did like JFK, if mm -hmm. I remember correctly. And so, yeah, you, you, you're the guy who got the guy who hurt our favorite president i guess exactly so that tracks um but why would a nightclub owner do that i mean like i'm he sure says, he's had motivations he says that he was like so overcome by grief from the assassination that he like wanted to seek revenge Ooh. this also happened on live television Oh, I forgot that we had TV by that point. So I was like, yeah. "What?" There was there was a uh, footage being shown of um, of police escorting Lee Harvey Oswald somewhere. I don't know if it was to his trial or what, but Jack Ruby comes up and shoots him in the gut. And uh, on live television, there's also a um, uh, I believe Pulitzer Prize winning photo of this this killing. I definitely also forgot that that's something for like journalists and stuff of like capturing these intense moments mm -hmm. to be the guy that just got that sh that picture. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's a crazy picture, too. Oswald is making such a face in it. I mean, he's just been shot, but <laughs> the face is a little funny. I like how you can see in some people's faces that they like they either haven't completely figured out what's going on or that one guy with the hat who's just like, oh, yeah, <laughs> he's the, going like, mm. I don't think I've ever seen the face of somebody who's been sincerely shot in the gut before. Yeah. Um, the nightclub owner guy kind of just looks like a reporter, too. Yeah. He just looks like a guy who is supposed to be there. He was not. <sighs> so, there are a lot of conspiracy theories about the JFK assassination. Mm -hmm. And I'm here to say I believe absolutely none of them. I, hey, yo. I am 
it is not hard in my mind to believe that a single man could kill the president. We just talked I mean, about three other Yeah, ones. we just <laughs> talked about three other times where this happened. Where just a single, like, determined person can just do this. Yeah. It's, you know, um, mm. I just... Conspiracy theories are essentially a glitch in the human brain because your brain feels safer thinking that this was like a huge conspiracy, like set up by a bunch of people or like that, that it had to be more than just like a single guy who could do this like completely randomly. Mm -hmm. um, but the truth is that can happen. I mean, 9-11 conspiracy theories are the same, where it's like, surely this has to be some kind of inside job, this has to be all, like, delicately set up, and somehow nobody has come out about this. But, I'm sorry, eight people killed, like, 2,000 people. Yep. It can happen, unfortunately, and it's something that not a lot of people are mentally equipped to handle that even like thinking about it because i've always just been kind of like you know take conspiracy theories with a grain of salt i'm like i don't know i wasn't there i don't have facts i uh, um but i've been a part of a lot of projects that had a lot of people and everything is supposed to go absolutely perfectly no matter what we cannot screw up one single part of this to make this pull off and it always screws up always like i can't i can't picture in my head something so delicately fragile to make something pull off so perfectly quote unquote, exactly. to actually work <laughs> no no plan survives contact with the enemy nope. so yeah i think that every conspiracy theory is just just trying real hard to cope let's uh talk about the other half of assassinations attempted assassinations that mm -hmm. didn't work Oh, mm -hmm. so there are four that I want to talk about across three presidents. First, up, first up is uh, Theodore Roosevelt uh, by Schrunk. Uh, his first name fucking escapes me because I didn't write it down. Theodore Roosevelt's the the badass one, right? That like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was the one who was a hunter and who set up national parks and stuff. Yeah, I did go actually, to his national park. That place is cool. Ah, good. Him actually being a hunter is going to... Uh, Mickey Mouse voice, it's a special tool that'll help us later. Mouse could tool to help us later. <laughs> um, uh, so, John Fleming Shrunk uh, was... Uh, he tried to kill Roosevelt at a campaign speech, uh, Roosevelt was actually McKinley's successor after McKinley was assassinated. He was the vice president at the time. Ayo! Um, so he was uh, shot at a campaign speech just before he started speaking. Uh, the bullet went through, um, w hit him in the chest. It went through his uh, steel glasses case and a 50-page speech that he was holding in his pocket. And but it did it did penetrate his uh, his chest still. He was a hunter, as I mentioned, and he correctly assumed that since he wasn't coughing up blood, 
at that moment that the bullet didn't hit his lung. Uh, and actually, yeah, the, the bullet embedded in his chest muscle. And at that moment, he said to the crowd, Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know whether you fully understand that I have just been shot, but it takes more than that to kill a bull moose. And then he spoke for 84 minutes before being taken for medical attention. What a chad! Oh my honestly, god! Honestly, yeah. That's, honestly, that's, if that, oh, you know, like, I knew he was a badass, but I didn't think he was, like, that hardcore. He was like, I'm alive, let's keep going. <laughs> yeah, and, and actually, he had the doctors leave the bullet in his chest. Because he was McKinley's successor, and you remember that McKinley died from infection after doctors were poking around in him trying to remove the bullet. I don't trust you fuckers. Don't touch this shit. <laughs> yeah. And he ended up being perfectly fine. Years later, uh, a reporter asked about the bullet, and he said, it, it bothers me no more than if it were in my breast pocket. What a chad. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so next up, Roma. How many women do you think have made an assassination attempt on a president? You know, as we all know, women are still pretty badass mm -hmm. and just as capable. Mm -hmm. um, and I also, knowing our our boy uh, Leon, that you know, it's probably going to be a little less uh, suspicious. Mm -hmm. So there's probably been a lot more attempts than we can think of uh, mm -hmm. that you know that have been like reported. But I want to say officially, I want to say at least like three or four officially reported ones. Two. Ah. Now, how far apart do you think these two assassination attempts were? I'm not going to tell you the presidents. How far apart do you think they were? I want to say fairly close, like within at least five years of each other. Mm -hmm. But that's just because I feel like it would be motivating for the second person to see the first one try it. Mm -hmm. And then they would make an attempt within like a period of time after that. Mm -hmm. It was 17 days. What a bad bitch. Look yep. at her go. <laughs> uh, Lynette Frome, uh, sorry, Lynette Fromey and uh, Sarah Moore both tried to kill uh, Gerald Ford within the same month. In what the did same he do? state, they were in Cal. They were both in California, and they both tried to kill Gerald Ford in September. What did he do? I don't know anything about Gerald Ford. So, the answer is not much. Uh, he was—he's actually the only U.S. president to never be elected to office because he was appointed uh, Secretary of State by Nixon, and then Spiro Agnew, Nixon's uh, vice president resigned, uh, making Ford vice president, and then Nixon resigned, making Ford president. That tracks. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, let's talk about the first attempt. Uh, Lynette Squeaky Fromay. Squeaky was her nickname. That's a good she, nickname. <laughs> it's a good nickname. She was the lover and right hand of Charles Manson, cult leader and murderer. Oh. Yep, she was a member of the Manson family and pretty high in command. Oh. Mm-hmm. That's cool. She, yeah. 
She was actually one of the few active members of the cult after Manson was jailed following the murder of Sharon Tate. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she was, like, delivering messages between different jailed family members. She, uh, She kept the lines of communication open, essentially. Up until September 5th, 1975, where she attempted to kill Gerald Ford in Sacramento, California. You look like you have something to say. No, I'm just like processing this because now I'm, I'm, uh, you know, the, you know, I keep all my information in just like buckets. It's like, okay, this is my U.S. president bucket. Mm-hmm. And I have seen chunks of like documentaries and uh, mm-hmm. whatnot. Even Dark Tourism had an episode about Charles Manson. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm like digging in that bucket of like, what all do I remember about the Manson family? Because I just remember the the whole ordeal where they all went to different people's houses in California to which then they got arrested. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know about the part where uh, Squeaky, I didn't even know if that was her name, made mm-hmm. an attempt on a president's life. <laughs> yep. That wasn't brought up. <laughs> yeah. A weird footnote in the Manson family, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> September 5th, 1975, Sacramento, California. Fromey was upset about Ford loosening mandates on the Clean Air Act uh, and his, like, general environmental policies. Charles Manson had this, like, ideal set called ATWA, which was Air, Trees, Waters, and Animals. Water and Animals. Um, It was his, like, general environmental policy of, like, we shouldn't fuck with that which like on paper good uh yeah in practice it was charles manson yeah (laughs) it was charles (laughs) manson so uh the president was shaking hands with a crowd after a speech at the capitol building and fromey pulled a pistol out of her dress and pulled the trigger about two feet away from ford there was a metallic click sound Frome never cha- Fromey never chambered a bullet. She she didn't realize that like when you have a gun and you load it, you have to cock it before before you can shoot it to actually put a bullet into the the chamber. You know, for a lot of people, like it does seem like a common sense thing, but if she's never really fired a weapon, like mm-hmm. I can see where you may not like that's the detail that was forgotten. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she, was, she was brought down by the Secret Service. And while on the ground, like, you know, being wrestled to the ground, she said, it didn't go off. Can you believe it? It didn't go off. She, uh, she was sentenced to life in prison, tried to escape in 1987, and uh, was eventually paroled in 2009. She now lives upstate, in upstate New York. And she released a memoir in 2018 about her time with Manson. And she says she still loves him. It's wild that I keep forgetting that people in history are sometimes still alive. Yeah. (laughs) And so I'm just having a moment of like, oh, shit, that living history is still around. Yeah, she's not that old either. She's like... She, I think she's in her 70s. She's 74. Oh my goodness. She's also a Scorpio. <laughs> Tracks. <laughs> so, the other woman who tried to kill Ford, Sarah Jane Moore, 
She was an accountant and FBI informant. Uh, and weirdly enough, she's descended from William Hearst, a newspaper magnate. Just hmm. a, a weird footnote in, in her life. She attempted to assassinate Ford on September 22nd, 1975, 17 days after Fromey. Uh, she later said that she wanted to spark a revolution through the assassination that would bring change to the country. D you know, not the first idea, I guess. It, at least she had some kind of idea. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, so she stood in a crowd across the street from where Ford was getting into a limo. Uh, she fired one shot and missed by about six inches. Damn. Because she had bought the gun she used that day and was not told that the sights were slightly off. Another thing that you just don't really think about, huh? Mm-hmm. She said that if she had used her own gun, she, Ford would be dead. You know, and I, I was in, um, in high school, I was part of the marksmanship team. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, I, my family, we all, we all have pretty good aim. You know, I mm -hmm. haven't fired a live real weapon. It's all been like airsoft weapons, but that is, you know, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, oh, okay, so I've been shooting for this little BB gun into the target. Like, okay, it's a little off. I can adjust it. But like to think that, uh, again, that's not something that I'd put in my checklist. It, not that I'm going to do any sort of activity like this, yeah. but again, it's like, oh, it is another thing that has to be considered, huh? <laughs> You can't yeah. just just get up and go and do it, huh? Yeah, no. Unless you're unless you're like point blank. Yeah. Even then, I guess you gotta make sure you chamber a bullet. Yeah, or make sure he doesn't have you know a bunch of stuff in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> so Whew. she pled guilty and she was sentenced to life in prison. Uh, she told interviewers at the time, "Quote: Am I sorry I tried? Yes and no." Yes, because he accomplished little except to throw away the rest of my life. And no, I'm not sorry I tried, because at the time it seemed like a correct expression of my anger. Which, yeah, yeah that's, you know, uh, she tried to escape in 1979, but she was uh, caught on the same day, I believe, like a couple of hours later. Um, and she was paroled on New Year's Eve 2007. She now says that she is glad that she didn't succeed, uh, which I only partially by <laughs> you know it's, she is part her family has been in the newspaper business for a long time so i can definitely see how she's probably very conscious about what she says and how people run with that yeah so you know if she just wants to live a peaceful elderly life it attracts she's just like yeah i probably should have done that yeah she's still alive she's like 92 doing her thing look at yeah. her go uh she actually was briefly sent back to jail because she broke parole she uh didn't tell her parole officer that she was going on vacation out of country uh but she was she uh this was in 2019 she was in jail for like six months she's an old lady <laughs> yeah there's still in jail <laughs> jeez yeah so finally um i'm gonna talk about the attempted assassination of ronald reagan by John Hinckley Jr. So, John Hinckley Jr. was a stalker. Uh, he stalked Ooh. Jodie Foster in New Haven, Connecticut. 
where I almost live. It's like a Ooh. town over. Uh, because Yee. Jodie Foster was going to Yale, which Yale is in New Haven. Who is Jodie Foster? Jodie Foster is an actress. She was in uh, Silence of the Lambs. Um, at that time, she was probably best known for uh, Taxi Driver, in which she played a uh, like, 14-year-old sex worker. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, Taxi Driver is an edgy movie. Yeah. Um. So wait, so sh- was she the lead investigator or like the main character lady? Yeah, she was Clarice. In Silence, in, uh, Clarice? In Silence okay. of the Lambs. Because I haven't seen Taxi Driver, but I have seen Silence of the Lambs. So mm-hmm. um, now it makes more sense because at first I was just like, okay, stalking random lady. And I'm like, oh, you stalk that lady. Yeah, he's stalking hey, the star. Ugh. Yeah. He um he called her a lot. He showed up at her door a lot. He wrote her letters. Eventually, he decided to try and impress her by killing the president. After stalking Jimmy Carter for a while, he eventually tried for uh Ronald Reagan, who was president elect. He also wrote this insane letter to Jodie Foster before the attempt allow me to read. Uh-huh. <laughs> Over the past seven months, I've left you dozens of poems, letters, and love messages in the faint hope that you could develop an interest in me. Although we talked on the phone a couple of times, I never had the nerve to simply approach you and introduce myself. The reason I'm going ahead with this attempt now is because I cannot wait any longer to impress you. I, uh... Yeah. That's... I've been very grateful in my life that I have not had to experience a stalker. Um, Mm -hmm. I have had friends with experiences with stalkers and um, this guy sounds on brand but also my skin is actively crawling. (laughs) Yep. So, March 30th, 1981. Uh, Hinckley shoots a revolver at Reagan six times as he's coming out of a hotel. Wounding three people, but technically not hitting Reagan. A single bullet ricocheted off the presidential limo and hit him in the chest. Hinckley was arrested, and Reagan was fine. He even made a bunch of fucking quips because he was that kind of asshole. Uh, I haven't heard a lot of good things about Reagan, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, Reagan fucking sucks. I'm not saying that... I'm not going to finish that sentence legally. Um... (laughs) Uh, so when his when his wife showed up to the hospital, he said, "Honey, I forgot to duck." Uh, he complained about the do- the doctors having to cut through his thousand dollar suit. Um, and in the operating room, he removed his mask to quip, "I hope you're all Republicans." One surgeon, who was a Democrat, responded, "Today, Mr. President, we are all Republicans," which fucking makes me want to vom dot com, to be honest. I mean, what did did we hear a recording of it? Because I could definitely feel like if it was a very uh, sarcastic comment, that would be beautiful. <laughs> but if it was very sincere, it's like, ugh. I think it was sincere. <laughs> there, was, there was laughter around the table when he said that. Or when, uh, when Reagan said, I hope you're all Republicans. Uh. <laughs> yep. So, Hinckley... Uh, successfully, successfully pled insanity at his trial and was institutionalized. Um, people were so pissed 
about that. So pissed that three states abolished the insanity plea and the federal government made it harder to plead insanity successfully, even though, like, I believe 0.5% of all federal trials to that point had successfully plead insanity. Oh, so they just got all knee-jerk reactive about it because the one guy they didn't want it to work for, it worked for. Because he did sound actually insane. (laughs) Yeah, he was very mentally ill. Uh Uh-huh. There's a lot of proof, I'm sure, of that as well. Yep. Mm. So he was uh, incarcerated, uh, institutionalized at a mental facility for the, uh, you know, mentally dangerous um, for, like, 35 years. Um, he was released in 2016 uh, under a bunch of conditions. He, like, couldn't drink alcohol. He had to live with his mother. He had to, like, check in with a parole officer, essentially. And then all of those conditions were later rescinded after no further indications that he was a danger to himself or others. He actually... Roma? Oh. He has a YouTube channel and a Twitter. <gasps> what? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna send you a song. He he plays music. He also sells art. I'm gonna send you a song here. It's called "A Different Side of Me," which is honestly kind of sad. It's an original song, basically about how people won't give him a second chance. They only know him for this act, and they don't know the the nice sides of him. Should I listen to it now? Yeah, listen to it. Cause, uh, before I click play, um, back to a previous note that we had, where like you know <laughs> people don't look like they would do something of this nature, <laughs> and this guy looks like a normal guy, and the, it, it's just one of those things that I have to keep reminding myself. It's <laughs> like people aren't just going to look like a stereotype of like, oh, this look, this guy looks like a bad guy. Like, no, he, he looks like somebody's uncle. Yeah. This is wild. But that man stalked Jodie Foster and uh, tried to shoot Reagan. Yeah. I didn't. So, Sorry, he said yeah. he's like, you never thought that I would be free? And I'm like, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Can't say I did. He uh, He was actually, so... He plays music, both original and covers, and uh, he was actually going to do four concerts in person across the U.S. this year, or sorry, last year, it's not 2022 anymore, including at a venue in Connecticut where I have literally been and seen concerts before. Bruh. But all of them were canceled due to threats to the venues. Wait, do we know what, what? What kind of threats? Like, is it like people who are upset with what he did, or is it people who are like, like you tried to? Okay, like, or is it people like you tried to hurt our favorite president, Mr. Reagan? Or yeah. In fact, on uh on John Hinckley Jr.'s Twitter, uh at John Hinckley twenty, I guess he couldn't get just at John Hinckley. He has this one fucking reply guy who on like every single one of his tweets is like you you killed this guy and like this guy died as a result of your your actions and 
you stalk Jodie Foster and stuff, and it's like, yeah, we know, man. Like, you, you don't gotta say it. We all know. Also, I'm sending you a link to a particular tweet. Uh, listeners, this tweet reads, I believe in peace, love, equality, uh, peace, love, equity, LGBTQ rights, abortion rights, animal rights, race mixing, assault weapon ban, sharing the wealth, Green New Deal, Black Lives Matter, prison reform, and good rock and roll. Join the John Hinckley community. Uh, I'm glad that he believes in all of those things. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, I think it's weird that he said race mixing. <laughs> Yeah, um, but also it does occur like uh, I even in my lifetime, it's still, you know, a problem that people yeah. will actively be like, yeah, I don't believe in that. I'm like, well, that's really wild. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean the term <laughs> race mixing in particular, not like yeah. interracial relationships or anything. I mean, it's a tweet, but like, yeah, I guess it's a that's. You know, from his time, that was the the term they used rather yeah. than interracial relationships. I'm glad that he's doing better. Yeah, I suppose he seems to be doing fine. I, I mean, he seems a little depressed that his that his concerts keep getting canceled. Maybe he needs to be a VTuber. Maybe <laughs> do my <online> concert. <laughs> <laughs> If if he does follow through with this, I want credit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not. Listen, I I went out of my way to say that Leon Cholgosh was Pog. I'm mm. not going to say that about John Hinckley Jr. because I still think that the stalking was like it's very bad, bad enough that I was like, hmm, that kind of puts me off for the rest of it. Yeah. But I will say that he seems pretty reformed. Yeah. And I believe in restorative justice, you know? I, uh, as much as, yes, I, I agree. The, um, I, the, the actions themselves will not be forgiven, but I do very much hope for improvement. Like, I very much want you to be a better person and yeah. be kinder to others. And it looks like he's doing that. Yeah. On paper, it's, at least. Yeah, on paper. He also posts pictures of his cat a lot. His oh. cat is very cute. So oh, yeah, that's basically all the people that I wanted to talk about. I, I find it fascinating what will drive a person to not just try to end the life of someone they know or a random person, but specifically the most powerful man in the country. You know, I guess from how I, I will admit I have not done a lot of research on people who do some sort of like very public murder of any kind, mm -hmm. even aside from presidential. But, um, you know, there's I don't even know how to phrase this statement. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot of just like self mental situations going on the glorification of it if you will the mm -hmm. the self-righteousness behind of it like there's sometimes where it's like oh yes that totally tracks i can get it i can get your frustrations i can see where you had this with like a the a clear mindset about it and then there's sometimes where it's like 
I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's all case by case. It's really hard to blanket statement on all of it because it's all very specific to the time, the person, what circumstances all parties were going through. You know, there's there's so much. It's yeah, it's hard to have like some sort of summarizing statement about that. Yeah. I mean, just the people that I talked about here, the motivations are avenging the South. I was told by God to do it. Also, you didn't give me the ambassadorship that I asked for. Some people have everything and some have nothing. And the workers deserve more. Yeah. Lee Harvey Oswald, we don't know his motivation. Uh, the the guy who tried to shoot Roosevelt, um, he actually said that Mc, McKinley's ghost came to him in a dream and told him to uh, avenge his assassination. Dreams are powerful, though. I can I yeah. can see that. I've had I've had a, a dreams about my roommate being like, "Hey, could you like not be like this?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, my bad." <laughs> and then I, I would tell him in person, like, "Yeah, you came in my dream and told me to stop being an asshole about this thing." And I was like, "Yeah, you're right. I'll stop being an asshole about this thing." <laughs> Yeah. And then, I mean, environmental reasons, wanting to spark a revolution, wanting to impress Jodie Foster. Like, it's the the reasons are so varied. I don't think I said a, I don't think I said two reasons that were exactly the same or even really that similar. Yeah. Throughout all of that. Oh, but their conclusions were fairly similar. Yeah, it's true. It also kind of tracks when you don't feel like you have a whole lot of voice. You take away the person who took your voice. Yeah. Get and, somebody to listen. And even then, there's now so many people involved, like media wise, everyone's opinions that even then it can get drowned out. And that's frustrating. Mm-hmm. But oof. Wow, I've learned a lot today. Like, there's some things that I like. I thought I knew about, or like I've I've heard a little bit about, or like drunk history or different documentaries. But it's kind of nice to have it all like listed out for me and the listeners yeah. as well. So thank you. You're welcome. <sighs> I was very glad to get this all out of my system. <laughs> yeah, I've absorbed it. It's all mine now. <laughs> Good. Um, I also highly recommend watching the musical assassins. There is a um, there is a slime tutorial up on YouTube that's not like a professional professional um, recording. It's uh, I believe college or community theater recording uh, at from James Madison University in the spring of 1995. So it's before they added the um, the song that's it's not about 9/11, but it's about 9/11. That's yeah. just, where were you? And so it cuts that shit out because it wasn't written yet. Um, it it's a really good yet. production. I, I really enjoy it. Hell yeah. I'm going to have to give it a watch. Maybe I'll get Tony to watch it with me. Yeah. If, if he's awake. Um, and if, uh, I don't know if you stream games after, after hyperfixation anymore, but if you do, might I recommend the game JFK Reloaded? which is a you play Lee Harvey Oswald and uh, try and the goal is to try and recreate the three shots as dictated by the Warren report. That's an interesting concept for a game. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Let me look this up on Steam. <laughs> it's free. Um, uh, oh my I think gosh. you can download it on a website. I uh, so I haven't been streaming for mental health reasons. It's it was oh, yeah. difficult uh to do both um every week, and not all topics needed a stream to go with it. So it just kind of like I decided it was just better for me to not. But I have been planning, and I and uh, you're aware of it of the future stream. I'm not going to mention it now because it's a surprise. Mm-hmm. So there is one big stream I have planned, but um, let me take a gander at this and see if maybe I'll <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll do it. <laughs> oh, it's not on Steam. No, if you just Google it, uh, it has its own website. It's just a completely free game that somebody made that you can download. Oh, these graphics. Look at them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's very 2004. Oh my goodness. Okay. I'm interested. Let's see if I can make it happen. Um, so of all these attempts and uh successful or not, of the eight we mm-hmm. talked about, do you have one that I I I guess it feels weird to say your favorite? <laughs> but um I I guess yeah, which which one are you more fond of? <laughs> so for overall, I'm going to say Cholgosh. Cholgosh is pogged up. And Pog. I find his motivation fascinating that it, it, his motivation on paper is so weirdly selfless. Like in his confession, he, well, he wrote and then he crossed out, but I'm still going to say that he wrote that yeah. he was not planning to escape. He knew that he would be arrested. He knew that he would most likely face the electric chair or the, or the noose. And uh, he was he was understandable about or he understood that this was like a self-sacrifice, essentially, for the workers yeah. and for the country. I agree. I, I this one was I'm probably the most fond of as well. Yeah. Also, I. Uh, <laughs> Squeaky, just something about her is so interesting. The yeah. fact that after after fifty years, sixty even, she is still like dedicated to Charles Manson, who is dead, and like still says that she's in love with him. It, like that's dedication, man. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that she was right there, and mm-hmm. the gun didn't go off. Something about that is so funny. Man. I'm I put I'm putting myself in her shoes right now of just like looking this man dead in the eyes and then just like uh, uh, what? (laughs) Um but yeah, holy shit. Um has are you aware I because I honestly have not heard of any recent attempts on anybody in the past like i want to say at least 10 15 20 years Mm -hmm. has there been recent attempts did they just not talk about it because i'm sure there is i'm sure it's harder but i'm sure there is um obama received a lot of threats of assassination including two people who are going to try and kill him with quote a death ray which is so mad scientist and weird um some doofenshmirtz and stuff. <laughs> there was a guy who uh reportedly <laughs> reportedly tried to kill trump with a forklift 
his plan. He was originally arrested for stealing the forklift, um, but he confessed to attempting to kill Trump. His plan was that he was going to use the forklift to flip the presidential limo. I don't know what that would accomplish besides, you know, probably bruising some people. But uh-huh. it does allow me to sing the Mystery Science Theater 3000 song. He tried to kill me with a forklift. Um, yeah, it's that's a weird one that I find very funny. But that's wild. I didn't hear about that one. Um, Neither did I. I found this out last night. Bruh. <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm. <sighs> well, um, not that I'm actively... How do I phrase this? I'm intrigued to see how we got this ye old assassinations of just people just being able to walk up and just, like, give it a go. Mm-hmm. Um... But as time progresses and science and security and technology progresses, like how how does that art change? If you want to call it an art, I think I'm going to call it an art because it's a whole thing. Yeah, um, I hmm. I don't know. I think that in the future, we're going to see a lot of like bomb bomb related attempts. Okay, that tracks something a little more like pre-planned. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe huh. we'll see more death rays. As cool as that sounds on paper. <laughs> yes. Death rays also sound terrifying. <laughs> I wonder how they would make them look. Make I have them no look idea. Like little, little alien, like cartoony one. Like a Looney Tunes see, death ray. Uh. For those people, I imagined like a big machine with like a laser on it. Ah. Uh. We're going to throw this thing on an airplane. Oh my goodness. Um, the more I talk about this, there's a part of me that's just like, I'm going to be on a watch list. But we're also just yeah. talking about history. Yeah, it's history. It's, it's education. Yeah. Um, so, is there anything else that we'd like to discuss about the history of presidential assassinations slash attempts? I don't think so. Don't believe conspiracy theories. Yeah, that tracks. I I mean, I think they're fun to listen to. Yeah. To look at. Um, but I do like facts. I do like information and facts. But. Uh, brain smooth. Brain is smooth. I'm, it's so weird for me to try to come up with like closing thoughts on this topic. Do you have any closing thoughts on this topic? I think that violence exists in 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 any person. I think any person has the raw capacity for violence, but I think that most people don't use it. Don't let these weird base instincts drive them to to do something terrible. I don't know. I think that not every person can can be an assassin. No. Oh no. I'm reading a book about that actually. It's in like medieval fantasy, but Oof. yeah, no. Uh the world of assassination is very upsetting, spaghetti, and scary. <laughs> it really is. Whew. It's I'm I'm glad that I've been able to learn more about US history. I'm curious now 
about what that sort of history looks like for other countries. Yeah. You know, does it is it similar? Is it different? You know, like is, is there different? What are the motivations different? I mean, I'm I'm sure they're they are to a degree, but you know how what is what does that look like? Yeah, I don't know. Listeners, do do your own homework on Umberto the First of Italy and tell me what was up with that. Yeah, let, let us know in the Discord <laughs> or on Twitter, whichever, whichever one. <laughs> um, but I think I think that's it. I think we're good. Yeah. Question mark. Cool. Okay. Where can people find you on the internet to discuss uh, this more if they would like to? So I can be found. At, <laughs> I was I was going to joke. I can be found on Twitter at John Hinckley twenty. Um, <laughs> no, I can be found on Twitter at Oak Alexandrite. O A K A L E X A N D R I T E. Um, I I don't tweet a lot. I also I, I when I do I mostly tweet about my girlfriend <laughs> and um. Uh, I'm working on a project right now where I watch every Beatles film and review all of them uh, on our YouTube channel. So they'll come out eventually and I'll post about it on there. Um, you can also find me occasionally on Three Little Words uh, here on the Moonshot Network. If you're interested in weird, silly romance and sometimes cool, cool, serious romance, uh, check it out. Hair Kira. Um so yeah, give them a follow. Check the check out the podcast. Do all the things. Um you can find me on the internet. I'm wondering I always wonder if this is the first time people have come across the show, like any episode. Is this the first time that you've listened? Yeah, I, I think it's always a good policy to to be like this might be somebody's first episode. Yeah. So if you want to find me on the internet. You can find me at I appreciate your butt at the twitter.com. That is I A P P R E C I, the number eight B, wait, eight U R B U T T. I got all the letters mixed up in my brain. Um, <laughs> and you can find this podcast as a whole on the hyperfix pod at the twitter.com. Um, and the link for the Discord is in the show notes or on the Twitter page. So whichever is best for you to get to. So you can come chat with us about this topic and maybe find other topics that we talk about on the show and get excited about. And this all happened, of course, because of the Moonshot Network. So thank you to them. They, You can find Moonshot at Moonshot Pods on Twitter. And they also stream for charity or for fun at Moonshot Network on Twitch.tv. Our intro and outro music is thanks to Offuscate. That is O-F-U-S-K-A-T-E. And you can find them on Instagram, Twitter and SoundCloud. So if you need podcast music, go check them out because I think this one's a banger. Is that it? Is that all the people I think? I always, I should write <laughs> this down. <laughs> Possibly. I think that's it. Um, thank you for listening. Look into history. Learn learn about stuff. Watch documentaries. Yeah. And Roma, if we hurry, we might be able to get our money back for the incomplete uh our, our american cousin performance oh yeah i gotta go get that refund <laughs> be safe don't die drink water take your vitamins ah! <laughs> <laughs> bye <Could you? laughs>
Nicole was your typical hopeless romantic, moonlighting as a fanfiction writer. Claudia was a hard-headed activist with a YouTube channel and the mysterious past. When Nicole hit a deep funk in her writing, Claudia suggests one of her hidden passions, romance novels. Now the two have fallen into a world of endless handsome hunks, doe-eyed damsels, and lascivious lovers. It is now their sacred duty to rank these novels on three criteria. Their steaminess. I had to fan myself off. Their dreaminess. She's not missing anything without him, but he makes her life better. And their meaniness. Cal wouldn't be in some small town pie eating contest. That's not why he left me. <laughs> Join our heroines every other week as they overcome unhealthy relationship archetypes, thesaurus abusing authors, and anatomical inaccuracies to prove that love can conquer all on the Three Little Words Podcast, only on the Moonshot Network.